we have Zach Strickland here filling in for Andrew Cox today. I'm Kevin Hill, of course, and we are going to talk about uh, a little bit about the stock market, which um, has been a roller coaster the last couple three weeks. It's Um, taken a ride. It's it's taken a dive more than anything. But it's up today. It is up today. Six hundred points right now. Six hundred points right now. Uh, It was down three thousand points yesterday. Uh, so we will see what tomorrow brings. We'll see what this afternoon brings, really. This is the new normal. It, it is the new normal. <laughs> yeah. It is one of those bear markets yeah. where you have these incredible rallies, these incredible losses. Every day is just more volatile than the next. Yeah, you have the, the quants that are, of course, trying to cover their positions. And then, of course, as you hit, everybody stops. Mm-hmm. They just waterfalls down, and you get these little intermittent recovery days, and it's just kind of this stair step. Until it, something fundamentally changes. It is. You have lower lower highs and, and lower lows. Yep. You have a lot of margin calls in the market where you can see that, uh, you know, Friday it rallied up to 10% yeah. in the last hour. Yesterday, it just kind of completely went downhill. Well, and we had some split. signals from the Fed that I think inspired a lot of that. They were basically yes. were pulling out their big guns saying, everybody's going to get money and mm-hmm. All this kind of stuff. So it's that doesn't necessarily send a signal of confidence to the investors. It really doesn't. There's a lot of nervousness out there, as yep. well there should be. Mm-hmm. We're in very unknown times right now. So I guess just take it day by day. But we'll go through some stocks here in a little bit and, and see, you know, basically, you know, consumer packages is probably pretty good. You know, yeah. retailers, you know, big box. Um, you would anyone think- selling essentials or, or doing... We'll have pretty good earnings going into uh, coming out of Q1. Now, where it goes from there, we'll we'll have a little discussion about that as well. Uh, But first, Andrew Cox earlier, maybe earlier this week or or later last week, uh, pre-recorded an interview with Doug Schreier, who's a VP of Product and Innovation at Transflow. And uh, they sit down and discuss some some of the things that's going on right now and um, what Transflow is doing as well. So before we get started, let's cut through and take a look at that great interview that he did. All right. Welcome into this interview for a great quarter, guys. I am here with Doug Schreier, the VP of Product Innovation at Transflow. How are we doing today? Doing great. How are you? I'm lovely. Where are you in from? You guys based in Tampa? We're based in Tampa, downtown Tampa. It's beautiful this time of year and starting to warm up. What was the, uh, did you guys fly up here? We did. What was the airport like? You know, the flight into Chattanooga was actually quite full. I was expecting to be empty, but uh, Atlanta, you know, you fly through Atlanta a lot when you fly out of Tampa. It, it was, I'd say, probably at 50% capacity, but it's kind of airy how empty it was. Yeah, I saw a video from uh, Washington Dulles, the, the airport in D.C., and it was like ghost town. I mean, it was like something out of a, out of a movie. There, there was one person in line at Starbucks. There was four people at the gate. It was, it was yeah. bonkers. And the flight out of Tampa that's normally oversold, about 50% of the people you know, didn't show up or, or weren't you know, empty seats. Wow. Yeah, I've got a flight scheduled to New York uh, next month, middle of next month, so we'll, we'll see how things are going there. I, th- I think it'll probably get canceled, or, or the thing I'm going up there for will probably get canceled, yeah. so may not have any reason to go up there. Uh, but let's jump into it. Let's, uh, let's go into your background a little bit. Uh, what did you study in school? Uh, industrial engineering and system engineering. So, uh, you know, kind of came in from a pre-med standpoint and decided after two years that that wasn't for me and uh, went to engineering. I uh, finished up school down in Atlanta. I heard you, uh, I watched your pod, or your interview with uh, with Craig on Fuller Speed Ahead. You said you weren't in freight originally. You, you Was Covenant, Covenant your first job in freight? I did one that was in supply chain for Iron Mountain, uh, project, consulting project in uh, 
uh, supply chain for Iron Mountain, but it was a first true truckload uh, customer. So we walked in and thinking that trucking was simple and easy, move a freight from point A to point B, how difficult could this be? And uh, we realized that it was it was quite the feat and you know had a great, very successful time at Covenant. Yeah, I did the same. I've, I've only been, I graduated back in May, but I've been here since October. I, I definitely, it's funny, I always told people that when I graduate, the one thing I'm doing is I'm not working in freight. It seemed I had so many friends, people, so many friends working in brokerages or, or tech companies or whatever. I just thought, you know, I'm going to do something different because again, freight is simple, you know, but it's so not, it's so complex. Yeah. It's doing it at scale, right? Maybe moving one load is simple. Uh, but when you do it at the scale that these trucking companies or brokerages do, um, it's, it's just a very daunting task at the end of the day. Right. Uh, so at Translo, you're the, the VP of Product Innovation. What does a normal work week look for you? Yeah, so I get the benefit of dealing with a lot of customers, uh, their professional drivers, um, finding out what their problems are and trying to solve it. And then also helping us determine what we need to solve next. You know, everyone has problems. All of our customers have problems. But identifying the right, the right ones to solve and when to solve them. Right. So what is, uh, what's some of the big problems you come from? You know, because you guys work with drivers and brokers. What are, what are some of the major problems that come to you uh, from the driver's side? And then we'll get into the broker side after. Yeah, I think one of the strengths that Transwell has is our mobile platform and the ability to communicate. Uh, through the mobile platform. And what we're working on now is a problem of opening that up. You know, we've traditionally had that open for the carriers and their drivers and improved communication within our mobile app. Uh, we were able to grow to a big footprint within transportation, one that's probably the leading uh, footprint for mobile technology within transportation uh, in the U.S. But how do we take that and open it up for the brokers? So, Frequently, a driver will have a question that the broker has an answer to, and instead of the driver being able to directly go to that broker, they go to their carrier rep, fleet manager. Fleet manager goes over a customer service rep. Customer service rep calls a broker. Broker might have to call the shipper, and all that takes time. It's a lot of steps. Yeah, a lot of steps, a lot of inefficiencies within the supply chain. So that's what we're opening up is our new Velocity Plus ecosystem allows a broker to give the mobile application to a driver for a single load. That seems a, a bit like, it reminds me of something like a blockchain or like a public ledger in that you have open visibility so that everyone that is involved here is, is held accountable for their steps. Is that, is that yeah, correct? Yeah, abs absolutely. Accountability, um, communication. Um, really, we're focused on the execution of the freight. So the point the freight is tendered, uh, whether it's a carrier or broker tendering the freight, all the way through load payment. So what uh, what makes Transflow unique in the sense of being that 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 piece of the puzzle? Like what, uh, what why should I choose Transflow over another you know visibility or communications platform? It, it boils down to trust. We've been in the industry for thirty years. We've built a massive footprint in what we do, and that footprint continues to grow. So uh, again, the largest mobile app within the space. Uh, with that, we've have drivers that use us as a verb. They say, "I transfer," whether they say, "I transfer documents" or "I transfer to get paid," is a verb for the drivers, and they trust that. They trust using transfer. So instead of trying going out and opening up your mobile app, you know, or trying to create your own mobile app, you know, going to a point where they go to a trusted provider, open up a mobile app that they've used before, and interact with you is a bet much better. Uh, experience. I'm glad you mentioned uh, how long how long you guys have been around. You know, I obviously haven't been around much, uh, but they you know they say that Translow is a name that's been around for a long time, and it is a, a very trusted name. Can you give me you know if that's if that's one of the three uh, pillars of adjectives that you would describe Translow? If trust is one of them, what are what are the other two? 
So trust is one. Good listeners um, would be another one. So we listen to our customers. We try to understand their problems, and we work hard to solve those problems once we understand them. So we use things like mobile advisory boards and advisory boards with our customers to solicit feedback. We also go directly to the drivers to solicit feedback. So being a good listener and understanding the value that we can bring in solving those problems is another key piece of it. And the other one is being agile. Um, you know, so we are a company that started as a scanning company, mm-hmm. you know, in handling the paperwork across the nation and helping fleets bring that paperwork that's sitting in the truck back to their back office so they can bill their, you know, their customers, their shippers, and ultimately pay their drivers as well. So that was the first problem that we went out to solve. Today, we're solving mobile issues. We're solving the ELD scenario. We have a full mobile equipped ELD where the drivers prefer the experience is really easy for them to use. They understand how it works uh, and it's just intuitive for them. We're also deployed our mobile application is a true mobile application. So it's not a lockdown experience. They can go grab any Android or Apple device and run our platform on it. You know, you mentioned a bunch of things there, a bunch of different, um, you know, aspects of things that you guys do at Translow. How do you guys maintain focus or even choose on what's most important to, to ideate on next? Yeah, so we use some standard product management approaches, and one of the things is prioritizing it. The priority of items changes daily as we understand them and as new opportunities come in. But we like to have a focus team focused on a problem once we decide to solve it. So we'll decide we're going to go attack this this quarter. This is a, the resolution that we're looking for. This is a problem that we're solving. Here's how our customers told them that we, or told us that we want to solve it. And we'll focus on that till we get to uh, at least a first iteration of a solution. And then we'll continue to do that through an agile type approach. See, I didn't want to jump into the coronavirus this early, but I got to ask, has the coronavirus, uh, has it impacted any of the priorities that your customers come to you with? Has it changed the way that they're asking things from you? Not yet, uh, but we definitely expect it to change. You know, some of the things that we do allows for a remote workforce. Um, you know, so for example, we live in Tampa. Tampa has to deal with the fact that hurricanes flow through Florida all the time. So we won't be impacted by the coronavirus and the fact that if we had to shut down our office and work remotely, we can do that. Our customers will still get the same level of customer support and services. But in regards to how do we enable people, so the driver doesn't want to walk into a truck stop and use a truck stop scanning, and we can turn on their mobile application today. If they're trying to do central scans or scanning in their back office, and now all of a sudden they, they don't have access to those flatbed scanners, and they want their drivers to do that, or they want their people uh, to be able to do that from their house, we can enable that as well. You know, I've been hearing this this idea of neutrality for uh, a, a few weeks now. It seems like from industry execs, at especially tech execs and freight tech, uh, saying that they they're not trying to step on anybody's feet. Do you consider uh, do you cons- does Transflow consider itself a, a Switzerland a neutral uh, platform? We do, we do absolutely. It's one of those things. If if we weren't, um, you you know, trust wouldn't be aligned with Transflow. Um, but we serve many parties within the transportation sector. Um, and we work with each party to try to solve their problems, right? And when there's an opportunity to cross and work with two parties or two different groups of people within the supply chain, we'll definitely do that to streamline the whole experience. But the benefits for both parties is not one-sided. So we, we touched a bit on brokers earlier, but I have a, I have a question about brokers. And specifically, you know, um, do you think eventually that Transflow could 
you, you could eliminate some brokerage jobs? Uh, I don't think so. Um, you know, could you eliminate some back office steps? Absolutely. Um, but securing freight and, and booking freight, you know, booking carriers on that freight, um, you may be able to drive more efficiency with that and have a better coverage ratio. Um, but all that means is you have more brokers within right. your office or you're repurposing that person that was once scanning paperwork or processing payments within your office and you're putting them into the areas that actually bring value to you. So we believe it's our company's you know, responsibility to bring technology forward. Then, then our customers determine what that means for them. And what we want to do is help our customers grow both in a footprint um, and, and how well they're doing as an organization as well as profitability, right? What it takes to operate their company. I'm glad you mentioned that because, you know, I've seen so many uh, digital freight matching platforms, whether it be Uber or Convoy, they say that they're coming out and, and it seems like their, their original approach was to uh, eliminate the brokerage and, and digitize everything, but they've seemingly quickly understood that this is a very human-oriented uh, field and that if you're going to make it better, you have to implement technology that allows brokers, allows brokers to be better, to be more efficient. And uh, it's good that you, that you mentioned that you're really focused on just making things more efficient rather than trying to eliminate the whole position. Yeah, we, we don't want to be a brokerage. We're, we're never going to try to be a brokerage. And we definitely don't want to put our customers out of business. That's not good business principles, right? So we want to make our customers successful. So what does uh, what does the next three to five years look for Transflow? You know, you've implemented this new brokerage uh, product and platform in the last you know ten years or so. What's what's the next step for you guys? Yeah, so so it's continued acceleration. So new opportunities come up all the time. Um, you know, we were talking earlier today about one of them, you know, driver health. There's a driver health epidemic, right? So whether it's mental health or it's physical health, how do we as Transflow, a technology provider, team up with people that can help help solve that problem, right? So we just launched a relationship with Aspire out of Atlanta, and it brings driver health or driver health solutions to our mobile application. It also helps them with mental uh, things as well. So they run EAP systems and other things for fleets. Well, that is lovely. We're actually going to do a project on, uh, I'm going to write a deep dive next week on mental health and kind of how, unfortunately, drivers are likely kind of going to be disproportionately affected by this coronavirus. Absolutely. Well, what is the... um you know, that's the next three to five years. What if you could imagine an an end game where where Transflow has reached its peak, where it is it is the the, the best version of itself that it's ever going to be? What does that look like? You know, so for me, it's that everyone wants to use the platform. We're mobile first technology provider. Um, that you know, if let's say there's 3.5 million users uh, within the U.S., you know, they should or could use Transflow Mobile. That we get as close to 3.5 million as we can, and that we bring value to each one of them. They want to use us versus they have to use us, and they want to use us as a key aspect of it. The driver experience, driver enablement, and the driver engagements are all key to success for Transflow. Where are you? Where are you headed next? You got any more uh, any visits while you're in town? Uh, no, actually, we're, we'll be done here in Chattanooga, and uh, it's spring break in Florida, so I'll be meeting my family in Orlando. Oh, that's I'm probably nice. not attending the park with the yeah. Corona yeah. virus, but enjoying some time with the family and and out of the office for a couple of days, and then back to Tampa um, and continuing to drive uh, value for our customers. That's right. How do how do people get in touch with you? Yeah, so you can call, look at transflow.com if you're looking for an overview. Um, or you can look us up individually. Um, you know, just our it's our first name, last name at transfer.com. So dschreier at transfer.com, and you can get in contact with me. 
All right. Well, lovely, Doug. Thank you so much. Yeah. I would shake hands, but I think we should probably avoid it at this time. Absolutely. We've already been locked in a box Let's here. Let's be corona-free. That's right. All right. Uh, well, thank you, guys. All right. Thank Safe you. Safe travels. And that was our very own Andrew Cox with Doug Schreier from Transflow, the VP of, of was he, VP of Product and Innovation at Transflow. Transflow yeah. A very good discussion. Andrew is a very good interviewer. Yes, he is. He's I, I very, say, you're like, poised in there. He is. You wouldn't know that that's not, like, his job. Like, I, I know, <laughs> you know? right? I, I, that's not his job. He's yeah. just a, a natural at it, I think. He is. He is. <laughs> so flawless and unprofessional. Uh, I, I know. Very good. Yeah. Well, let's talk about stocks. Yeah. So let's, let's talk about individual stocks. We were talking about the market before we cut away to mm-hmm. that, that interview. Um, and the Dow's up to a, th- a thousand points. Is it? So a it third is. of the way back from yesterday. It is. It is. It's <laughs> In just that up. short amount of time. I mean, that's, that's how fast everything's moving. That's what's freaky. <laughs> it reminds me of two, 2008, 2009. Yeah. Uh, fin- financial crisis. I, I don't know. I, mean, I don't remember it being this weird uh, you know what there was days remember yeah. days where it was um and at that point 300 points either way on the s&p right 300 points down it might go up 300 points yeah and then trade flat right so you'd have these wild up and down swings which i haven't seen quite yet where we're you're deep in the red and then you shoot up deep into the green right and maybe you in flat or maybe you're in red or it's, it sticks there, and that's what it's doing right now. Um, but 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 I remember those crazy days back in 2008, 2009. Yeah, I, I guess maybe I'm, I'm kind of prisoner of the moment <laughs> uh, looking at, at that big number of 1,000. You know, like you said, back then it was like three, four, five hundred mm-hmm. points up and down. Now we're looking at thousands. And it's, I, it, it's, it's certainly the, the, the market has grown tremendously quite a bit since, then. Since, yeah. since then, right? Yeah. So, so the Dow or no, the S&P was down. To what six 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 was the low point in February, early March of two thousand nine. Yeah, yeah, and it's and rebounded over. We're what two thousand twenty yeah. twenty one hundred now. Yeah, somewhere there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so so it's, it's quite been a quite quite a run up, and um, and it's just been quite a show the last two or three weeks. Yeah, that's uh, I mean, it's it's definitely a show. There's no <laughs> doubt about that. It definitely is. So so what kind of stocks? Um, so, so basically, we have some here, you know, which ones are, are good, or I won't say good names, but what, what industries have been benefiting from all this volatility? Yeah, I think, I think yeah, because it's obviously not an even playing field for everybody. I mean, we talk about it in trucking all the time. Uh, you know, what are we seeing right now? A lot of goods uh, are moving through the through. The system still. We're not. We're not getting hurt. Like Procter and Gamble, Walmart, um, Amazon, of course, is hiring. You know, hundred thousand more people. <laughs> yes, yeah, so I, I saw. Yeah, they're hiring a hundred thousand more people. Uh, but I but mean, they're, they're they're kind of tamping down on the third party sellers mm-hmm. for. Um, or not tamping down, but but they're they're borrowing them for until I think May fifth. Yeah. Uh, for delivering non essential goods into their warehouse. Right. So some of the some of the sectors that we're watching that we think are going to do better are going to be the ones obviously that are dealing with some of these material goods, uh, you know Clorox for instance. I was looking at Clorox today. This is one that looks like it's going to do just fine. Uh, it is. It's, it's doing really well today, uh, but it is it is up uh, year over year. It's up year to date. It's one of the few that's up year to date. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is somewhat, you know, it's not surprising, but at the same time, considering all these other stocks that we kind of watch are not 
they're not doing as well year to date. Like Procter and Gamble, for instance, they're in that same yes. boat. They're down year to date, up year over year. Mm-hmm. So it's 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 an interesting thing to watch. Again, I don't know if everybody. You would think that a lot of people know what Procter and Gamble specializes in. <laughs> well, they have so many brands that it's, it's hard to, to keep track of them. I mean, so I mean, it's like Kraft Heinz. We did Kraft Heinz a mm-hmm. few episodes ago, yep. and they have eight billion dollar brands. Yeah. So it's hard to, you know, it's hard Oscar to Meyer, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think some kind of mayonnaise that, yeah. that they have. And, I can't think of. And uh, surprisingly, of you go to the grocery store and the condiment aisle is cleared. It is. And it, it's, it, it's, it's, it's along with the toilet paper. Again, uh, another yeah. Procter & Gamble item. Pickles were cleared this yeah. weekend. <laughs> yeah, pickles. pickles. <laughs> you know, really pickles? I mean, they're trying to grill burgers. I, I, I guess so. <laughs> you know? And you see these crazy pictures of people in the grocery stores over, over the last week. And you have one shopping cart. And I don't know if these are doctored or, or what have you. But someone had their entire grocery cart filled with eggs. Like dozen cartons of dozens of eggs. And how I many mean, eggs can you eat before they go bad? I know. And milk too. <laughs> the milk was the same yeah. way. Like like ten one gallon jugs of milk in Just your car. Chug like, milk. <laughs> I, I guess so. It's that it's that snow in the south mentality. It is. You know, it it's it like really I'm gonna be locked in for two days. I need to get enough milk to last me three months. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> now, this is a little different, obviously, but... Um, it, it is, or, or 100 cans of soup. Yeah. And, and I mean, so can that's... Can you really eat that much soup? Well, but the, before, you, you're just like, man, I can't have any more soup. The thing is, the soup makes more sense than the milk. The milk's going to go bad in a week. Yes. You know, like... <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, you know, I, I made too much tuna salad for tuna salad sandwiches. Right. You know, and, and basically, after about the sixth tuna salad sandwich... I was just like, I, I don't know if I can do this anymore. Right. So some, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, some of these are, are pretty obvious. I mean, we're looking at Walmart, Costco, obviously, mm-hmm. Target, uh, Kroger, Walgreens, CVS. These oh, are yeah. all like grocery store type environment. We, we expect these to have a really good quarter. So they're going to have a really good quarter, really good sales, and they are the, the safest mm-hmm. from, from actually having a close down. Yeah. Right. They're, they're not going to get closed. They down. are not going. Yeah. With all these quarantines and discussion over who's, you know, when they lock down an area or when they're saying you can't go outside anymore, they're, they're basically they're not going to be impacted by it. They're not going to shut down. So they're not going to lose that foot traffic. People are constantly going to be in and out of their houses, going to these places. Um they're going to get transportation coming and going. <laughs> no, they definitely are. Another one here on the, on the, the, the packaged consumer goods, Kimberly, Kimberly Clark. Right. I think that's probably a good buy. Yes, yes. Right? That's, and that's not one that's super intuitive. Like, you're not thinking like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I know, Clark, right? Yeah. You know, three weeks ago, Kimberly Clark, like, who cares? Yeah. But now that there's not a roll of toilet paper in the United States, it's a is probably going to have good earnings. Pretty strong. It Pretty strong. Very strong. <laughs> very strong. I mean, we found paper towels yesterday down mm-hmm. here downtown uh, Chattanooga. At, at yeah. Maybe the only place, because it was downtown. Right. No one was shopping there this weekend. Not maybe. a residential area. Not a residential yeah. area. So they had plenty of paper products, which was uh, a nice surprise. Yeah. So, yeah, Kimberly Clark, uh, Procter & Gamble, Clorox, as we mentioned. And here's a few that I wasn't thinking about. Pepsi and Coke. Yes. Canned sodas. Like I know mm-hmm. there's there's people buying bottled waters and things like that, but of course Coke and Pepsi both have their own uh, bottled water and other bottled beverages. Uh, so again, it's not simply just canned sodas, but it's also all the other beverages that all people are, beverages, are yeah. hoarding. So 
they're they're not hurting in this situation. Yeah, but both Coke and Pepsi, they have basically every type of non-alcoholic beverage that, that you yep. can think of. Yeah, no, fruit, dr- fruit drinks. Mm-hmm. I know Pepsi has like Naked's and, you know, Coke has their, uh, another exposure to it somewhere. And they yep. buy up all these other little small, uh, you know, providers of drinks and beverages. But the, the one thing that I'm, I'm questioning here is what the sustainability of their quarter is. Now, they should have a pretty strong first quarter and probably it'll lead into a good second quarter because we're expecting, you know, the CDC just put something out, said this is probably going to last for about eight weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, before it, you know, we see some noticeable turn. Well, it was May 9th, yeah. no, no groups. Uh, the the yeah. recommendation, it's, it's not, you know, and we could see law, it. but uh, we groups could see of over it. 50. And, yeah. and basically that means you're basically self-quarantining. Right. And we could see it turn before then. We just mm-hmm. don't know. And I think they're being, you know, obviously anything they put out at this point is going to be more cautious uh, than anything we're seeing. We're still seeing the rise of cases in the United States. It's, it seems to be mitigated somewhat. I was looking at some interesting websites, and it looks like we're doing pretty well. Again, these statistics are a little bit deceiving, they're, they're, I depending think on the very, test. I, I think they're very <laughs> deceiving because we were talking about earlier today is mm-hmm. the, the test. The, I think as of today or as of this morning, there would only been 16,000 tests. Yeah. Uh, and, and basically, I don't think that's enough real test to, to, to put a number on. Yeah, the data sample is probably flawed. <laughs> it's it very flawed, right? <laughs> because I was looking at our stats compared to the rest of the world, and we're like... Uh, one of the lowest incidences per 100 people. It was like 15 yes. per 100. I think China was up at like 300. <laughs> I, I think we're testing at a much lower rate yeah. was, than the rest yeah, of the world, was, right? Yeah, it was way lower. Uh, yeah, our incidences are way lower uh, overall. Um, so we're not, yeah, China, I think, was up there. I'll look at the, I, I know the website. I'll look it up here in a minute. But yeah, that's, I, so, so, so some of the, 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 the industries that have fallen out of favor. Uh, let's let's do that before we get yeah. to the, the stay at home kind of category. Uh, oh yeah, of here stocks, we go. <laughs> right. So, as of yesterday, I don't know how energy is doing today, but since the first of March, energy has lost thirty seven percent. Yeah, and a lot I mean, of that's that staggering. Yeah, that and a lot of that has to do not necessarily. Well, it does have to do with the coronavirus, but it's the Saudi Arabia, the, the oil double whammy. Yeah, right? we're just there. There, they've they've targeted you know opec has targeted the western civilization they're saying you know we don't uh you guys have held us kind of hostage here the last but you've taken what we had control over Mm -hmm. uh and made it your own we're gonna take now and strike and hopefully that'll start closing some of these wells down the shale uh product in the united states it it probably will and russia jumped into it too right so so it was basically it's a price war between saudi and and russia Mm -hmm. to 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 shut down the shell operations and And, and i've had lots of conversations with john kingston Mm-hmm. Uh, over the last, uh, you know, year and or so. John Kingston's our resident yes. oil expert here at Freight Waves. <laughs> you know, he, he obviously understands the dynamics of the oil market and energy market way better than I do. But he, you know, I noticed a tight correlation between how well the energy market does and transportation. Now, intuitively, you're thinking, okay. It's inverse yeah, sometimes. You, but but it, 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 go, go ahead, because it's not. Yeah, it's not. It's not anymore. Back in 2007, eight, it was. that When diesel prices go down, trucking and transportation tends to be elevated and good because that's a cost. That's a big cost driver to them. Well, unfortunately, uh, for transportation, not so much for the United States, they figured out we don't want to be dependent on foreign oil anymore. That's why we started opening up the North Dakota and Alaska and, and drilling into the shale uh, domestically. 
But what that did was it made us a global provider of oil, crude oil, and all the products that come from that. So that's a lot of foreign money coming into the country that wasn't coming in before really spurred a, an industrial uh, style recovery in 2016 into 17. So mm -hmm. 2016, of course, the oil market collapsed. The price of yep. crude dropped from like $130 a barrel all the way down. Whoa. Oh. We got a caller? Or, no. no. That's your phone. No, I do have <laughs> One ringy dingy. It's the button on the side. Yeah. Okay, there we go. It's set up for Bluetooth because we're, we're going to have a call-in guest ah, here in a second. So. Right on. Yeah, so again, as the oil markets do better, actually the economy itself does better. Mm -hmm. And that's something we noticed in transportation. And when it falls off, when all those wells start closing, it's a trickle-down effect. Yes. Mm -hmm. it, it is a trickle-down effect. And, and basically there, there is something we said that, you know, $100 barrel oil is bad for the economy. Mm-hmm. $40, $50 oil is bad for the economy. Right. But there's a price range in there that is, is good. Yeah. It shows signs of a healthier economy, um, basically. It's around 60-ish. It's 60-ish, yeah. yeah. And, uh, it's, it's, it, it, and the reason that's good is because the cost of production. It covers the cost of production in the United States because labor is a little bit more expensive here. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, some of the smaller wells can remain open at that price, et cetera. But... Um, yeah, the co when you're when you're keeping these wells open, that means we can produce. Also, it means we're going to get the opportunity to sell our oil to the rest of the of the world. Mm -hmm. <laughs> exactly right. Yeah. So so that's uh, that's one area that has taken a huge hit, and then you know airlines. That's an obvious one. <laughs> airlines, really anything in the service economy is is taking a, a big hit, and especially discretionary. Yes. Hotels, uh, casinos. Anything involving uh, travel. Anything. Yeah, I, mean, I think cruises are down a little bit. Yeah. Right? Just, or they're, just, they're a, just a little bit. Just, 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 just a tad, right? I am, I am, you know, I'm, I'm not super deep into analytics into the cruise industry, but this is, I just can't imagine what that's like for them. I, I can't either. <laughs> I, I really can't imagine what. I, I, I would not want to be the owner of a cruise line right now. Not remotely. That's probably the not, least. Not at all. <laughs> not at all. Yeah. Very good. Uh, let, let's call Ryan Schreiber real quick. Okay, let's do We're it. about 30 minutes in the hour, and I think he was texting me. And was so, that who he was? Is that who was calling? Yeah, I think it was. Yeah. So. Yeah, we were. Let's uh, see. There we go. All right. Here we go. Well, let's see. Let's see so if there's he a ring. <laughs> so there's a ring. He might be mad. Yeah. Who knows? <laughs> let's see. This is Ryan. Hey, Ryan. This is Kevin here at Freight Waves. Great hey, quarter Kevin. guys. How are you doing? Yeah, I've heard of you. Oh, I'm good. Pretty good. How are you? <laughs> good. Good, good. I'm here with Zach Strickland today. Hey, Ryan. Hey, Zach. What's up, buddy? Just hanging out. Got a microphone. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, very good. It's as good a place as any to be. Right. It is. It's it probably is. one of the safer spots, honestly. We've got a nice little hold yeah. up here. <laughs> so, so you're yeah, working from sure. home right now, Ryan, right? I sure am. Yeah, okay. Absolutely. How are you liking it so far? Well, I just left my house for the first time in three days a little bit earlier because the weather in Chicago isn't exactly been cooperative. But, uh, so other, but otherwise, I'm, uh, I'm staying, keeping my sanity. Very good. Where did you go? Oh, I just walked around the neighborhood a little bit. Oh, good. Good. Get, get rid of yeah, some of that cabin fever. Out. Like, certainly. Yeah, exactly. And, I mean, it, it's surprising how many people are not outside right now. I'm wondering where everybody is. I mean, this is the first day of nice weather we've had in a little while. So, uh, 
Now I'm define why those people are staying inside. Define nice weather in Chicago at, in March. Oh, it's like 60, de- 60 degrees and sunny oh. right now. Oh, that's so. legitimately nice. Oh, that's yeah. really nice. <laughs> yeah, legitimately nice. Yeah, I've got the windows open. Like, uh, my wife and I were supposed to come to Chattanooga this weekend, so we took our winter coats to the dry cleaner. Uh, <laughs> so, like, that's part of the reason I haven't been outside. As I said, oh, we'll be, you know, we'll be in Chattanooga for three or four days. No big deal. Take the winter coats for dry cleaning. Huge mistake. That, that is a huge mistake, isn't it? <laughs> it yeah. is. I guess live and, live and learn. Very good. So Carrier Direct consults a lot of transportation businesses, and as we all know right now, um, the, those business models and, and workflows and processes are being disrupted in a, a major way. Can you uh, to describe kind of what, what you're hearing from clients? Well, I mean, everybody's struggling with, the same thing, which, uh, which is not going to surprise anybody, which is the, the provisioning for provisioning for remote work, right? And it's, mm-hmm. uh, it's been, you know remote work or the possibility of remote work has been such a talking point for the last several years, and why you should let people work from home. Um, I think the thing that that I've realized, which I guess uh, I just never consciously thought about, was just how many of these companies aren't set up to be able technologically to support remote work. The, right? and so like, did you say that they're, they're not set up? They're not set up, right? Okay. I mean, if, if you're talking about how do, you access, how do you access the core systems that you need to be able to do work, to say nothing of collaboration. I mean, certainly like we have instant messaging tools and we have those kind of things and, and that's an adjustment and there's a productivity lag there perhaps so people can certainly adjust. Right now, I think companies are struggling with, uh, that we're talking to, are struggling with like literally how do I how do I execute against remote work? Can my like can my technology support it at all? And then to what extent can they support? It? They never really proof of concepted uh, a large work from home movement for you know for all of their workers, not let alone or, you know most of their workers, let alone all of them. So certainly that's number one. What's uh, so? So basically, what technology does, does most transportation companies lack that that really eases into uh, a crisis like we have right now, where where people need to work from home? Yeah, I mean, whether or not any of their like core systems are in the cloud, and and certainly like there's there's true cloud, and there's like you know moving moving old systems into the cloud uh, or into a. Um, like server farm or something to that extent, uh, mm-hmm. if they're on-prem systems. But like, it's 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 really just antiquated systems. Uh, things that things that you've heard me talk about a ton of times, Kevin, and anybody who's who's listening to me talk about great, talk on great quarter guys has heard me. Yes, definitely. Antiquated systems and the, and the need to change and the need to be um, the need to be flexible. I, I, at the end of the day, like the, the the biggest problem any of these companies are struggling with is the way that they're built, whether that's from technology, whether that's from organizational structure or process, is inflexible. And when there's a huge shock to the system like this, uh, they are they're left reeling, and they didn't set up for you know maximum flexibility. What do you think the biggest challenge will be for for transportation companies working remote? I mean, besides, I mean, yeah. you have technology, right? But but let's say that, that yeah. you have you have good enough technology to, yeah. to do that. I mean, speed to decision. Our clients in mass are getting hammered right now with with orders, and mm-hmm. certainly there's some shift, right? There's some like Dre is 
but like anybody who's shipping CPG or or like uh, e-commerce, uh, is, uh, orders are up, and, and I'm sure that Sonar data is showing the exact same thing. So like the need to make decisions quickly and have the information to make decisions quickly, and to the extent that they need to collaborate with everybody, they're making this turn. People will adjust to collab to being able to collaborate remotely. Uh, they're just making the turn right now in the in the throes of having to proof of concept it. Um, and so then certainly then once they make that adjustment, we'll just be the, the ability to make decisions quickly enough to, to like deliver for their customers. Do you so, have any, I got a quick question, Ryan. Uh, do you know, or have you used case or anything that would kind of tell you in a rough estimate way of how much productivity is going to be lost to this inflexibility? I mean, these guys are going to uh, spend, you're going to strain your IT resources uh, tremendously in this environment, correct? Yeah, that's a really, I mean, you're asking a hard hitting question, Zach, and I really appreciate it. I, I don't, I don't, I certainly don't have the data to put a number on it. I actually think what you're going to see if you're in, if you're able to, when you're able to look back on it is that there is a lot of slack in certain part of your organization and that things are too taut in other parts. And so to your point, like IT resources to the extent that you have any of those will likely be put to the test. Um, but like, there's going to be, uh, there's going to be a light shined on some of the parts of the organization where like, maybe you didn't need quite as many people. Now, I'm not suggesting you should just let those people go, but there is certainly an opportunity when we look back at this to maybe say we could move some people around or we can be more efficient in how we, uh, how we assign work throughout the organization. Right. Yeah. I think it's going to be a little of both. Yeah, I think we 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 were talking earlier on an earlier show today about optimization and technology, technological or any kind of workflow, and and basically, it's not a straight line curve, right? Or it's not a straight line. It's not a straight line. It's not right? a straight, straight line, line curve. Yeah. <laughs> it's curved. It's not a straight line. So so basically, you don't have this this normal growth of adoption of new technologies or different workflows, it, it typically it, it takes a crisis um, to, to basically make it move exponentially. So basically, you know, yeah, shock the system. Shock the system. So I, I think that's what we're going through right now. And do you think those underserved IT budgets in, in a lot of transportation companies, those will will be brought up to the forefront of this is what we need to, to run this business successfully. Certainly that like certainly that's my hope for the industry. I mean selfishly <laughs> like True. selfishly that's my hope. But I think at a high level that's my hope for the industry. Uh, in any hard times there's winners and there's losers. And the winners are the people who say like there's uh, it's uh, uh, there's blood in the streets like is the time to buy, right? Mm -hmm. And and so when you the organizations that make that decision uh, are going to be the ones who come out of the other side of all of this. Uh, the the economic implications and also and also the virus implications better for it, and they will be the winners. And the losers will certainly be the ones who, when this all turns around, uh, go back to business as usual. And so, like the question is, do you have the stomach for it? You've heard me again, Kevin. Like you've heard me say, and I hate to sound like a broken record you've heard me say that like you're making a bet on your business no matter what you do. Mm -hmm. And if you do business as usual, like you are making a bet that business as usual is good enough to sustain you. Uh, like if you have the stomach to make big bets right now, 
on your business or even conservative sets, but ones that are really targeted to what, uh, what's going to be like a difference maker for you in the future, you're going to come out of the other side of this ready to hit that upswing and really, really, really capitalize. In mass, do I think it will happen? No, it's not human nature. It's just not, mm, right? right? But there will certainly be a large contingent of companies that say, now is the time to really double down and invest so that when there is that upswing, we don't just see linear growth, we see exponential growth. Nice. So I kind of want to piggyback on top of that. You sort of answered it there in a little bit of a way, but do you think there's going to be uh, more of a you know movement towards this work at home environment? I know that a lot of the younger generation has been pushing for this for years, and uh, of course there's all sorts of things that come along with that, but do you think that this might be a moment where companies actually start evaluating who like certain segments of their population to go work from home, like more so than they de- yeah. were in the fe- the past. Yeah. I, I think I, I was talking to Ryan Rogers from covenant on Friday afternoon. And I said to him very, you know, that if I'm zoom and he's a big fan of zoom, if I'm zoom, uh, like I'm dancing in the streets right now, <laughs> respectfully dancing in the streets. Right. Because like that is going to be, a huge, this is a huge proof of concept for them. And I keep using that term. This mm-hmm. is a huge proof of concept for them of how it's possible. There are lots of reasons to let people work from home. Uh, it is more economical for an organization to let people work from home. You don't need as much office space. Like you, you're moving resources around a little bit, but like you don't have to worry about, you know, having desks for people, having a space for them, uh, like having provisions for them. So there certainly are some of those things, and this will remove some of that fear. Companies are going to have to get creative with how they keep how they keep employees engaged. I posted yesterday that I'm going to do like an office hours with Carrier Direct, and one of the topics I'm going to talk about is how do you keep how do you keep employees engaged with a disparate workforce? We've never had to do that before as a, as an industry. Carrier Direct, for instance, we have a we have like our monthly happy hour on Thursday that we were supposed to have. Well, certainly we're not going to do that. <laughs> but what we're going to do is have a virtual happy hour, right? We're like, everybody's going to get on a Zoom and we're going to, you know, we have a little contest for like best background and shout out to Anisha and Maggie our, in our HR department for coming up with that idea on short notice. There are ways in which you're going to have to adjust and it's, it's going to make communication better. So certainly I think there are going to be opportunities coming out of this to look at your workforce holistically and say, who are the best people best suited to work from home and how do we enable that going forward and save ourselves some money, some resources, et cetera. I think there's going to be a big industry in, in people who can coach or, or basically consult uh, on, on the communication side from remote workers and transportation because it is, it's difficult. You need real-time information from your colleagues and uh, about certain loads. Uh, about certain yeah. lanes, uh, about things like that. So it's it's very conducive to all being around together where you can shout across the room and get answers really fast. Um, yeah. And I think that's where remote working has its, uh, the, the largest challenge when it comes to transportation. Well, that's a tech, like that, to the point about technology earlier. I mean, that's, that is what technology is trying to solve. And, and companies who haven't made an intentional investment in process and in technology to share information quickly and efficiently. The ones who are still relying on the ability because their systems and tools don't do X, Y, or Z to like shout across the room or like hand a physical printout of an order tender from one person to another to actually accomplish their work, they're going to struggle. They're absolutely going to struggle during this time. But the ones who have like the ones who have made that investment and it's not just tech, like let's be clear about it. It's also process. It's also rules of engagement. It's also 
like provisioning job profiles to make sure that, you know, people are doing, you know, people are doing a job and they're not doing 10 jobs and somebody else isn't doing seven of those jobs and three other jobs. So certainly like that is a great point, Kevin. And it's going to shake out like who's done a good job at that mm-hmm. and who's done a good job on siloing information to be shared across organizations and who's still operating off of Excel spreadsheets and, uh, you know, and, and physical printouts of order tenders. Oh, don't, yeah. don't, don't tell me to get rid of my Excel. I know, right? <laughs> I no, want to keep different. my Excel. You work in data, man. Come on. <laughs> you, you work at a slower pace, right? The, 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 the time to value is much different for you. I mean, Transportation is all about speed, particularly for intermediaries, but for trucking companies too. Mm-hmm. It speeds the decision. The longer that it takes to make a decision, the more expensive it is. And it's really, really hard to quantify. I mean, it's a complicated equation. But the longer that you wait, uh, the longer that it takes for you to make a decision to close, the, you know, because you're struggling with optionality or you're struggling with getting information, you are losing money in doing that. You are a less efficient organization in doing that. So, um, yeah. I, I like Excel too, for, for, for its place. <laughs> well said. You, you mentioned Zoom while ago. So, so we're doing every Tuesday and Thursday here at 12 p.m. Eastern Time. We're doing the coronavirus freight market update for the foreseeable future. And uh, it was supposed to be – it is a call-in show, uh, but Zoom is down apparently right now. Yeah. So, so they've oh, gotten really? – yes, yeah. they've, they've gotten oh, – wow. I, I think the bandwidth has just disappeared from Zoom, which is good be. news for Zoom. I think it's fascinating. I did a Zoom earlier. Oh, did you? Oh, Sorry, go okay. ahead, Zach. No, no, I, j- I just think it's fascinating because we're kind of stress testing like the entire United States infrastructure at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> I did a Zoom earlier and it worked. And then after that, I had to do a Google Hangouts and I was dialing in and I got a busy, all lines are busy from mm-hmm. Google wow. for like wow. three or four minutes. So uh, certainly, Zach, to your point, I was thinking earlier that we're, we're stress testing the heck out of this. And mm-hmm. uh it's interesting to see what the results are. And I've been hearing, I, I, I put a post out on LinkedIn uh, today to see how many people were working from home. And it seems like everyone's working from home right now. And uh, a lot of people with um, with kids and, and, and spouses are having fights over the, the Wi-Fi. And um, because yeah. their bandwidth itself, uh, having everyone at home right now is, is basically stretched to the limit. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, definitely an, it's definitely an interesting problem. It definitely is. I want to say it's first world problems. But first world problems, first yeah. First world problems, but it's, it's, it's kind of an issue uh, that, that's, that's global right now. Yeah. Um, you know, and it's, it's supposed to happen for at least the next four to eight weeks. Yeah. So I, I'm curious to see how much, uh, you know, how quickly can these companies adapt? You know, how quickly can they develop their technology over this period of time remotely, off-site type stuff? Um, it's, you know, and it's going to have, it's definitely going to show up in some sort of income statement. <laughs> I, I think it is. I, I think there's yeah. the, the IT budget's going to grow in, in a lot of the, the transportation companies that really haven't adopted it yet uh, going forward. Well, because trans- this is, as you said, is stress testing the system right now, and it's probably failing quite miserably for for quite a few transportation companies. Yeah, and, and a lot of transportation companies, as Ryan can attest to, ignore, and he's already said it, ignore this this function. And, and they mm-hmm. traditionally kind of push them into a maintenance role versus a development role. Yes. Is that is that accurate, Ryan, in what you've seen? Yeah, certainly. I mean, our, we, do te- we do technology delivery, and there are certainly some of our clients that, that invest in, like, invest in technology delivery, but it's not... 
you know, it, it is not in remote work. It is speed, it is speed to information, certainly, and that's an input to it. But um, remote work, uh, real like spoke and spoke model, if you will, is definitely not something that people invest a ton of a ton of time and energy into figuring out. And part of that is just, I would say, part of that has been prioritization. I mean, we've been, you know, you uh, technology in this space is pretty antiquated, and right. so if you'd mm-hmm. like, hey, where how how high in the priority list is figuring out you know, how our phone systems are going to operate seamlessly in a distributed workforce model. Like, I want to spend money on that, perhaps. Uh, but I'm also trying to figure out how to get off of an AS400. And that's a much meatier problem that'll have, like, you know, immediate implications for our business. Yeah, I think that's that's huge right there. And and again, we're kind of we're kind of bashing on them right now. But let's take the opposite side for a second. I mean, we obviously I think we've all worked in a 400 uh, before in a company that used it. So, you know, we when we were evaluating transitioning out of that, you know, ourselves, it, the cost was just too high. And I mean, you're talking about an industry on the asset based side, of course, you're talking about an industry that operates on about five to 10 percent margins on a good day. Uh, it's 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 something that, you know, it's not it's easier said than done, especially mm-hmm. from an, a cost sure. perspective. So, I, I mean, there, there's certainly you, you can't do it all at once, but some of that infrastructure requires you to dig up that mainframe and transition over. Is that accurate? Well, you know that. Uh, yeah, absolutely. It's absolutely accurate. And I think there's a huge uh, there's a huge shift in mindset that we need in this industry around, you know, around the idea that we have to rip everything out and replace everything all in one fell swoop. Mm-hmm. Like we mm-hmm. we're used to, we're used to like monolithic systems that solve that, that try and solve every single problem that you have, but there's a way to, and this is what we work a lot with our clients on. And a lot of the conversations we have around technology are exactly this point, which is you have spent a lot of time and money over the last, X number of years, right? 30 years or 20 years or 10 years, uh, depending on how old you are as an organization, like winding all of these systems together. It is also going to take time to unwind them. And that starts with the business. It starts with what business, what problems am I trying to solve within my business? And how do I apply technology to solve that problem? Uh, it is not go out and look for a system which solves every single problem. And so it's actually a little bit of a shift to say, what are the small improvements that I need to make. How do I how do I look at this workflow or this problem and find software or build software that solves that problem and how does it play in my how does it play in my ecosystem today? So incremental change. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And incre- an incremental buy incremental buy or build from a technology perspective. Yeah. Very good. Very good. great conversation, Ryan. We we need to wrap Thanks. it up and and go to our long shorts before uh, but before we head out, and I, uh, you guys did it last week, you and Andrew, and... Yeah, I was definitely wrong. I, I, I know, wrong. right? So it's just last week, we, they did a long short on NCAA tournament, whether they're actually going Man. to hold it or not. That seems like it was weeks, months ago, but it was just seven and days it seems ago. Absurd that I, it, it seems absurd at this point that I would have been short on it. <laughs> on it, it's like it's just unbelievable that I was anything other than long. Like, oh, it's it's already canceled. Yes, uh, that's how uh, quickly things are changing. Very uh, good. The last thing I'll say quickly yes. before I let you guys go is that I'm just I'm excited to see how we all we how we all work together. Um, you know, that's part of the reason I'm doing this like CD office hours. I'm talking with a com- couple of companies about putting together like a best practice group to help us like navigate this. Uh, uncertain times. So I'm certainly excited as an industry how we come together and help each other get to the other side of this. 
because it's not like it's not it's not a zero sum game. We all need to get to the other side. So, so plug office hours and where where they can find yourself and, and Carrier Direct. Yeah, uh, uh, check me out on LinkedIn. Check out Carrier Direct on LinkedIn and certainly on uh, on our website CarrierDirect.com. There'll be information both about this office hours and then also about this best practice group that we're putting together to kind of navigate COVID nineteen along with Fuel Transport, which is a broker and trucking company out of uh, out of Canada. So Very there'll good. be more information to come there on LinkedIn. And thanks for having me, guys. Good job. You bet. You bet. Thanks, Ryan. All right, very nice. good. Yeah, it's a lot of good stuff in there. I, there is, <laughs> I mean, yeah. You know, I mean, I, I think that's, that's one of the things that that people don't change unless they're forced to change. It's it's human nature, like he said. It, it is. I mean, it's you. you I don't, you, and a lot of it you don't think about. You just say, "Well, it's working today. I've got these fifteen other things to do. Yeah, I'll get to it later." But you don't really think about it until you have to. I, until you <laughs> have to, and sometimes it shocks the system. And then I, I think coming out of this, IT will be. Uh, you know, I, you know, technology is very important in, in transportation. Yeah, oh, huge. Renaissance, but I, I think the, there'll be a lot more companies out there who take it much more seriously. Yeah, I think there was kind of a renaissance on that front in the '90s mm-hmm. uh, among transportation companies. I mean, it just—it's natural. It's a natural marriage of two things. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, like the 2000s hit, and everybody's like, "No, nah, we got it set up. We're good." <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know, right? And then just walked away. <laughs> I know. And in, in, in 12 years, and technology is a lifetime, yeah. many lifetimes. Really, right? It definitely is. So, well, let's do long short real quick, and then right. we'll wrap up the show. And the, the first one is Boeing. So, Boeing stock is down seventy percent in the past month. I mean, yeah. that's just an outstanding number. Uh, the airlines uh, and and flights and 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 limited travel is probably a, a big reason for that. Um, they're still a massive defense contractor, great American company, and. Basically, they're likely to get bailed out if anything goes wrong. Right. So, are you long or short so, Boeing? I'm definitely long in the long run on yes, Boeing. Yes. Uh, I, don't, I don't think that they're going anywhere for all the reasons you just stated. They're a massive defense contractor, but also they're like the backbone of the airline industry, which is also going to get bailed out. They will, yes. Uh, eventually, this, they will dig out. And if you tell me that you're going to give me a 70% discount on this thing. I know, right? I'm I'm, I'm I'm coming that's, after that's you. That's very attractive. Yeah, I mean, I mean it's this, very attractive for a, for for a great American company. And we are we are you know prisoners of the moment, <laughs> you know, as we all are. We get a little bit of that recency bias going, and I, they're going to recover eventually. What about oh, yeah, you? I, I'm long. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I'm long. It's, it's it's anything that the government will backstop is is you can't go short. Look at look at the insurance. You, you, you <laughs> never short that because yeah, no, right? it will it will blow up in your face very quickly. Right on. Uh, anyone who shorted the banks in 2008 2009 know that with um, a scar. Right. On their soul, right? <laughs> <laughs> and then our, our, our last one is Americans will get a stimulus check. I, I, you know, this to me doesn't do anything. Uh, you know, it's, it'll do, it'll do more for others than, than, but it won't, it won't necessarily break through the economy. Think about a thousand dollar check, what that's going to do for, for a lot of people in this country. It's, it's, it's great. It's a lot of money. Uh, and it's all coming back well, in, but it's not, uh, well, it, it will help people out who can't work for the next two, three, four weeks. So, you know, uh, they were talking about $1,000. Everyone get yeah. a $1,000 check. So I don't know what, what will come of it, but do you think it will happen? Um, yeah, I think it will happen. I, think I it do, w- too. I think it will happen. I just don't think it's going to do 
that much. Well, it's, it's not going to be an economic recovery. No, right? no. It's same with the stimulus checks back in 2008, I think. Right, right. They didn't do it. Five, $600. It didn't really, it just prolonged yep. the, the agony. But I think that, that in this situation, I think a lot of people... I, might, I don't think it's a, really need it. I don't think it's a bad thing, but I think it's it's probably something that we could target a little bit more. And also, I'm yeah. always a fan of doing the long run, the long game, yeah, yeah. like the things that are going to stimulate the economy in the long run. That will instead of these people getting a one week check that's going to float them for a couple of weeks, mm-hmm. develop the economy so that they have a constant job, yeah, <laughs> consistent exactly job. Right. Yes. And that and that's the big question moving forward: is how long are these companies going to be able to sustain? Uh, without production, <laughs> mm-hmm. oh, you're exactly right. Yeah. I mean, basically, the, there's a, there's a lot of open question marks. Um, certainly, bars and restaurants are, are closing. Right. Uh, what, what comes next, and and for how long? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's uh, something we all have to monitor. For sure, definitely. Well, mm-hmm. thank you very much for sitting in the last minute here yeah. <laughs> on, on Great Quarter, guys. It's been a great show. Hope everyone enjoyed it, and catch us next Tuesday at 2 p.m. live on LinkedIn, YouTube. And then you can download the, the recording if, if you can't catch it live on on anywhere podcasts are downloadable. But that's it for this week, and, and we are out. All right. Thanks.